Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. We're going to be starting a new series as we lead up into Easter, and it's called Let Us, Let Us, and it ties in with the whole message of Easter, and so that's why uh, we're doing this as we lead up onto the celebration of Easter, and this morning's message is titled Enter Into His Rest. If someone says to you, let us go for coffee, or let us go for dinner, isn't that an invitation? It's an invitation, not an obligation, right? But as with any invitation, it does call for a response from us, right? And the phrase, let us, is used repeatedly in Scripture, and it's God's invitation to us. It's a call to respond to God's great love and gracious promises to us. And instead of saying, you must do this, or you need to do this, God invites us to do the things that bring his great blessings into our life. And as I was reading Hebrews 4, I noticed that the phrase, let us, was used several times in that single chapter. So in this series, we're going to look at three wonderful invitations that God extends to us all. And the first of those invitations is let us enter into his rest. How many of you want some rest for your soul? Amen. I think that's something we all need. Read with me if you will. Hebrews chapter 4. We're going to read verse 1 and also verse 11. The scripture says, therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Verse 11. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God, as the people of Israel did, we will fall. We'll forfeit that rest. So this chapter begins with the word, therefore. And I'll give you a very important theological principle. Whenever you see the word, therefore, in Scripture, look what it's there for. Because it's connecting you to something that has just been said before. And so chapter 3 ended with a warning to hear God's voice and not harden our hearts like the disbelieving and disobedient people of Israel did who incurred the judgment of God and were prevented from entering into their rest, which was the promised land. The rest they failed to enter into was a rest from striving with their enemies. It was a rest from lack. It was a a rest from thirst and hunger. It was a rest in God presence as they entered into the land that God had promised them. They could rest from their wanderings and they would no longer be oppressed by uh, uh, their enemies that had enslaved them and God promised he would give them rest from their enemies but they failed to enter into that rest because of their disbelief and disobedience. And you can read the whole story back in Numbers 13. I'm just going to summarize it for us today. But they were at the border of the promised land. Three weeks after God delivered them from slavery in Egypt, they were at the border of the promised land. And, and God, uh, God instructs Moses to send 12 spies into the land on a recon mission. 
And they all come back and, and they say, you know what? The land is wonderful. It's everything God promised it to be. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. It's so fruitful. And, and, and they even brought back proof of the fruitfulness of the land. They brought back a bunch of grapes so big. The Bible says it took two men to carry that bunch on a rod over their shoulders. And they're saying, look, the, the land is everything God said it was. A land flowing with milk and honey. But then 10 of the spies said, but the land is filled with walled cities and giants. We are not able to go up and take the land because we are as grasshoppers. So they filled the people's hearts with fear and disbelief. Only two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, stood in faith and said, we are able to go up and take the country because God is giving it into our hands. But unfortunately and tragically, the people believed the negative report and fear filled their heart. They lost their faith despite all of the miracles that they had experienced in God delivering them from the promised land, the 10 plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. Uh, I mean, despite all of these miracles that they had experienced and witnessed firsthand, they allow fear to fill their heart. And now they believe that God is powerless to help them to take the promised land. And so they refuse to go up. They feel like God lied to them, that he's no longer with them, and that he had brought them out into this wilderness to die. And now they say, we want to go back to Egypt. For 400 years, they were crying out to God, deliver us from Egypt. Now they're saying, we want to go back to Egypt. Because of their disbelief, God declared that that entire generation who had witnessed the miraculous deliverance from Egypt and now refused to go up and possess the land, they would wander in the wilderness for 40 years and they would never enter into his rest. They would never enter into the promised land. Now, Psalm 95 describes this sad episode in Israel's history. It says in verses 10 and 11, it says, for 40 years, I was angry with them. And I said, they are a people whose hearts turn away from me. They refuse to do what I tell them. So in my anger, I took an oath, they will never enter into my rest. So for 40 years, they wander in the wilderness till every one of that generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, pass away in the wilderness. And even the younger generation that later entered the promised land, they never fully experienced God's rest because they shortly after God delivered the land into their hand, they forgot God, they started to worship idols, and they failed to do what God commanded them to do, which was to drive out all of their enemy from the land. So they were constantly experiencing conflicts, fighting against various different enemies. They never entered into the rest that God had promised them. And the writer of Hebrews says, I don't want you to fail the same way they did. And that the writer of Hebrews does not want the believers he's writing to, who are presently experiencing persecution and hardship, to cast off their confidence in the Lord and fail to enter into his rest. And by extension, the writer of Hebrews is talking to us. 
Because you know what? We face opposition from the enemy. We face conflict. We face difficulties in our life. And sometimes it can shake us and make us want to cast off our confidence in the Lord, cast off our faith, and try to do things in our own strength. And in that, in that way, we fail from entering into the rest of God. And so he's encouraging us to not cast off our faith or cast off our confidence in God because of the hardships that we may go through, but to keep trusting, to persevere in faith. And, and as we trust God and persevere, he says, we will possess the promises of God. So he says, let us do our best to enter into his rest. So he is inviting us to enter into God's promised rest. And we're going to look at what that rest is. We're going to look at who and how it's available. And we're going to look at how we can enter into it. First of all, God's rest is still available to us today. I want you to look at verses 7 through 9. It says, so God set another time for entering into his rest. And that time is when? Today. That time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving them his, this rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. There is a rest that is waiting for us, and it is available today. That rest is the rest of salvation that is available by grace to all of us. You know, many of the events in the Old Testament are what theologians call types or shadows because uh, they are shadows of spiritual realities that point forward to the fullness of what Jesus Christ would make available to us. So the rest that God had promised the Israelites in the promised land pictures something greater. It pictures a divine rest that comes through salvation by faith in Christ. And I love the meaning of the word rest there because it's defined as ceasing from our striving, ceasing from action or motion. And the rest that God invites us into through faith in Christ is to cease from our labors, to cease from our striving to please God with our good works. Because you know what? We can never please God with our good works because we have all sinned. We've all failed. Isaiah 64, 6 says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, they are nothing but filthy rags. So Isaiah is saying, you know what? Because all of us have been infected by sin, no matter how many good works we do, all of those works are like stained rags. Now, now let me give you an image of what that looks like. Have you ever gotten a stain maybe on a, on a nice shirt? and you've soaked the garment, and you've used spot remover, and you've gone online, and you've looked at every uh, uh, hack that there is, use white vinegar, use baking soda. You've tried everything that they have on the internet, but you can't get the stain out. It won't budge. No matter how clean the rest of the garment is, that stain makes it worthless. You can no longer wear it because it is now just a stained rag. And this is what Isaiah says our lives are like. 
no matter how hard we might try to do good works, we can never remove the stain of our sin from our life. You know why? Because only the blood of Jesus can do that. Only the blood of Jesus. That's why in Isaiah he says, Come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. He's talking about the cleansing that is available to us through Jesus Christ. He washes us. He cleans out every stain of sin. And he makes us as white as snow. Titus 3.5 says, it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it is according to his mercy that he has saved us. Folks, there's nothing that we could ever do to cleanse the stain of sin for our life. There's nothing we could ever do to make us right with God, but because of his mercy, he has made a way for our sins to be washed away and for us to be restored as a child of God. Amen. Aren't you grateful for that? So we can't make ourselves right with God no matter how hard we try. But now he invites us to enter into his rest. He says you can rest from your striving. You can rest from your works simply by trusting in the completed work of Jesus Christ. In trusting in his death and his resurrection for you. You can rest because your sins have now been cleansed and you are right with God. There's no more striving to try to please God with our, our feeble, faltering, fleshly efforts. The moment we trust Christ as our Savior, we enter into God's spiritual rest, ceasing from our works, which are never good enough anyway. Now, the rest of salvation is also the gift of eternal life. He is offering us the rest of knowing that Jesus paid the penalty of our sin and that Jesus has saved us from the terrible condemnation of eternal judgment and torment in hell. And his rest is an invitation to, a, a, to um, experience and spend eternity in the perfection of heaven with him. How many of you are grateful for that promise? Amen. Amen. You see, the paradise of the Garden of Eden was a perfect world that was lost through Adam and Eve's sin. And humankind thereafter lived in a sin-stained, sin-fallen world. But now, through Christ's sinless sacrifice, we are invited to spend eternity with him in the perfection of heaven's paradise where there is no more sin, there's no more Satan, there's no more evil, there's no more sorrow, there's no more pain, there's no more death. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Praise God. I want to go to heaven. How about you? Amen. Amen. And there's a rest in our soul in knowing that you know what? When that day comes, we're going to go to be with Jesus. We're not tormented like people who don't know God when they're facing death. There's a torment in their soul. I've seen it time and time again when I have ministered to people in the last days of their life that don't know Christ. But we have rest in our soul. Hallelujah. The rest of salvation is also a rest from the worries of this world. I don't know about you, but I need that kind of rest. Amen? Because there's so much in this world to worry us, to make us anxious, to stress us out. But another definition of the word rest is actually freedom from what worries or troubles you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And there's so much even in a given day to stress us out. That's why Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. The troubles of today are enough. 
you know, in every single day, there is so much that can worry you, stress you out, make you anxious. But we are invited to his rest through faith, to trust him with all of our cares, with all of our concerns, because he cares for us. John Patton, a missionary who was translating the Bible into the language of a South Sea Island tribe, found that they had no word for faith or for trust. So he was perplexed. He didn't know how he was going to translate certain passages of the Bible. But he was praying that God would give him wisdom. And one day, a native of that island who had been working hard came into the missionary's house and just plopped himself down on a large, comfortable chair and said, oh, it's good to rest my whole weight on this chair. And he had such peace when he did that. And that was like a light went on. It was a revelation to the missionary. And the missionary said, that's it. I'll translate faith as resting one's whole weight on God. Here I come, God. I got so much burdens weighing me down, but I'm resting on you, Lord. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. So we put our whole weight on God, trusting him to take care of everything that we need and relying upon him completely. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? You know, the needs of daily life. That's one of the things that most of us worry about, right? And Jesus said, don't worry about these things. For the pagans, the unbelievers, they run after all of these things. See, because they only have themselves to trust in, right? They're only depending on themselves. So they're running after all these things. He says, but your heavenly father knows that you need them. Hallelujah. So seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. Praise the Lord. See, we don't have to worry because we know that we have a loving Heavenly Father. We know that He cares about us. We know that if we seek Him first, He will take care of us. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. So just seek God first and relax in His rest because He will take care of all that you need. See, that's the cure for worry. That's the cure for worry. That's how you enter into His rest. By having faith. And you have it one day at a time. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just one day at a time, trust God. Because we get ourselves so worked up thinking, oh, but what if this happens five years from now? What if this happens ten years from now? But God says, just trust me today. I'll take care of today. And when tomorrow comes, I'll take care of tomorrow as well. But just trust me today. Hallelujah. The confidence that we have is that when we trust God, we can put all of our weight, all of our burdens on him, and he will never fail us. You know, sometimes we have more faith in a chair than we do in God. Wait, wait. You came in here this morning. You, you didn't look to see if the welded joints of that chair you're sitting on were broken. You just sat down. Amen. Sometimes we have more faith in a chair than we do in God. 
But if you sat down on that chair without inspecting it to make sure the legs weren't broken, then you know what faith is. You need to just cast yourself on God and say, here I am, Lord. I'm just resting in you. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And we enter into his rest by trusting him day by day, moment by moment with everything. So the rest that we're invited to enter into is talking about a new relationship with God through faith in Christ, whereby we become his children and he becomes our loving heavenly father. And that enables us to lean on God, to totally depend upon him for help, for strength, for support, for everything that we need. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. So how do we walk in that rest? How do we enter into that rest? We enter God's rest by faith. First of all, we enter God's rest when we believe the gospel. Look at Hebrews 4, verses 2 and 3. For this good news that God has prepared this rest has been announced to us just as it was to them. But it did them no good because they didn't share the faith of those who listened to God. For only we who believe can enter his rest. And the word good news there in verse 2 is the word gospel. The word gospel means good news, right? The gospel is the good news that God loves us, that God is for us, that God gave his son Jesus to die so that our sins could be washed away, so that we could be made right with God, so that we could become children of God, amen, so that we could be forgiven, hallelujah, and that we could have a relationship with God. So we who were once cut off from God, without hope, without God in this world, have now been reconciled to him, and we have a relationship with the Heavenly Father. And all of this is only made possible through faith. It comes through believing the message that God has spoken to us. Now, Israel had an opportunity to believe the message in the Old Testament. God had given them a promise. God had given them a covenant through which they could have a relationship with him and through which they would enjoy the the rest of his protection and the rest of his blessing. So good news came to them and good news has come to us in the new covenant through Christ, a covenant of grace. But just as Israel had the responsibility in light of what they heard to respond in faith, we too have a responsibility in light of what we have heard to respond in faith to the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ by saying, Lord, I believe. Hallelujah. Now, the problem is that the wilderness generation of Israel didn't benefit from the good news that they heard because of their disbelief and their disobedience. So what happened? They failed to enter into their rest. They wandered in the wilderness for 40 years, experiencing all sorts of shortages, not enough food, not enough water, attack of the enemy, experiencing all of these problems that they did not have to experience if they had believed and obeyed. And sometimes, folks, because of our lack of belief, we're wandering around life experiencing all kinds of hardships that were never God's will for us. It was never his intention for us. So God says, enter into his rest. And we enter into God's rest by believing the gospel, by placing our faith in Jesus as our Savior. So we no longer have to rely on ourselves, rely on our efforts to please God. What a relief to know 
that because of what Jesus Christ has done, we are completely acceptable in his sight. Now, let me give you an illustration of this. You know, um, my father later in life got saved and God changed him a lot. But growing up, my father uh, was very critical of me. My sister was his favorite. She could do no wrong. But my father was very critical of me, very condemnatory of me, and I had a very low self-esteem. I couldn't do anything right for my dad. Even though I was a straight-A student, I excelled. I graduated from high school at 15 years old. But hear him speak, my sister was a genius, and I was dumb, you know. And so I had a real low self-esteem, you know. So I went through Bible college, and in Bible college, you know, it wasn't enough for me just to get an A in a class. They had something called the Wailing Wall at Bible college. It's where they posted test scores. And they called it the Wailing Wall after the Wailing Wall in Israel, but it's because people were going to weep when they saw their test scores. So anyway... I would always go to check my test scores, and I checked not only to see that I had an A, but after I saw that I had an A, I checked to make sure it was the highest A in the class. And God showed me something about that later on. When I was a senior and I was doing my pastoral internship, my, pastor, my, my supervising pastor uh, did my review and said, Maria's excellent in preaching and teaching and leadership and organization. Then he put, but she will never make it in ministry because she's terrible at people skills. Oh, when I read that, it was like a knife through my heart because from the age of 11 when God called me to ministry, that's all I'd ever wanted to do. And now I'm being told I'm going to fail. So I went back to my dorm room and I started to cry out to God and say, God, I know what he said is true because I knew I was terrible at people skills because I had such insecurity and low self-esteem. But I didn't know where it came from because I'd only ever been raised in one family, so I thought that what I experienced was normal. How many of you know that's the way we are? So I was crying out in my dorm room, and I was saying, God, I I don't know how to change this. I I don't know how to be different than I am, Lord God, and I'm asking you to work in my... And God started to speak to me. And he started to show me when I would check the test scores. And he would say, you know why you do that? Because he said, all your life, you've been striving for your father's approval that you never got. But you don't have to strive any longer because you are completely accepted in me. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And I'll tell you, it was like chains that came off of my soul. Something broke inside of me and set me free. Hallelujah. So much so that when I graduated and came back to my home church in Miami, people said to me, Man, what happened to you? It's like night and day, you're so different. It's those chains of low self-esteem and insecurity that were broken because I was finally able to rest in the acceptance of my heavenly Father. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And something I want us to understand is that the faith of salvation is not a one-time event. It's a daily trusting in Christ as our Savior regularly repenting of our sins because folks we didn't stop sinning the moment we accepted Jesus I wish it were so but it is not because we're still in the flesh so daily we need to search our hearts and we need to repent and we need to trust him to forgive us and to change us to change us and make us who he's calling us to be hallelujah but the greatest gift of salvation is not just the forgiveness of sins And it's not uh, just being saved from an eternity of hell. I want us to see. He said, this is eternal life. Eternal life is not just about going to heaven. Eternal life is not just about living forever. 
Eternal life is about living in relationship as a child of our living Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says that if we have placed our faith in Jesus, we have eternal life right now. Why? Because we're in relationship with God right now. Eternal life is about knowing God and enjoying Him forever. God wants us to enjoy Him. The, the Bible says in his presence, there is fullness of joy and pleasures forevermore. He is the highest enjoyment that we can ever experience. And God wants us to know him and enjoy him forever. That is the rest that we enter into as we are secure in his love. Let me tell you something. Every pleasure and every joy of this life, they are fleeting. You can be overjoyed today because somebody gives you a, a brand new BMW. And you can drive out on Pines Boulevard. And these intersections here on Pines Boulevard are some of the most dangerous ranked in the United States. You can drive off of this parking lot with your brand new BMW that you just got and you were ecstatic and happy. And all of a sudden you hear that crunching metal and your heart just drops. And you're no longer happy. That's how life is. How many of you know that? If, we, if we're just going on what life, the happiness life can bring us, it's a roller coaster. Happy one day, sad the next. But God gives us a joy. God gives us a fulfillment. God gives us a satisfaction that is lasting. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. And we live in God's rest by trusting and obeying him daily. We have the hope of eternal rest in his presence. And we have the promise of rest today. He said there's a rest available today. Today. Look at verse 7. So God said another time of entering in his rest, and that time is today. Or some versions say now. Right now, regardless of what you may be facing, you can enter into his rest. You can enter into his rest. I remember last year when, when my mom's health started to dramatically decline and the first couple of weeks it was just overwhelming and I was just so stretched out because I was her primary caregiver and we at that point could not get approved to have a, additional help coming in so for the first three months I was her primary caregiver and she was progressively getting paralyzed to the point where she ended up being paralyzed from the neck down and needed everything done for her and those first couple of weeks I was just overwhelmed and I'm like I'm working full-time God I'm trying to lead the church and and doing and I can't God I'm this is just too much for me I, I wake up in the middle of the night I would wake up early and I would just be praying in the spirit and and I was just turning this over to God and one morning I woke up with a song I had not heard in years since I was back in Oklahoma which was more than 30 years ago and the song was one day at a time it says one day at a time sweet Jesus that's all I'm asking you for just give me the strength to do what I have to do today and that song was just going over in my spirit just going over in my spirit and the Lord says, this is, because I was projecting out as mom's health goes, I was projecting out and I'm like, God, she's going downhill. It's going to get worse. I don't know how I'm going to do. You know how you do. You're worrying about. And God said, this is all I'm asking you to do. Trust me today. And I will give you the strength that you need today. And I'm telling you from that moment, there was like a weight that lifted off of me. And I was like in a bubble of peace. 
And every morning as I woke up, I would say, God, just give me today the strength and grace that I need to do all that I need to do. And God was faithful. God got me through. Amen. You can have rest even when you are in some of the most stressful and difficult circumstances as you trust the Lord to be sufficient for you. When God delivered Israel from Egypt, they faced a lot of challenges on the way to the promised land. They, they went through the Red Sea. God parted the waters for them. They lacked food and they cried out, did you bring us out into the wilderness to starve? And God gave them manna from heaven. Then they uh, began to thirst and they're like, did you bring us out into this wilderness to die of thirst? And God calls, well, that's how we are, right? The moment a problem comes up, we're like, God, did you, let, did you abandon me? God, are you going to let this destroy? I know we're all sitting there, reach up and polish your halo. We're saying, no, that's not me. But we're all a whole lot more like Israel than we would want to admit. But see, the truth is this, that as long as God was with them, they had nothing to worry about. When they came up on the Red Sea and they're complaining, Pharaoh's going to destroy us, you brought us out here to die, what'd God do? part of the waters of the Red Sea. When they started to, to, to feel hungry and they had no food left, what God do? Sent manna from heaven. When they were thirsty and they cried out, God, we're going to die of thirst out. What God do? Water from a rock. He was with them. He guided them with a cloud that sheltered them from the desert sun in the day and a pillar of fire that provided light and warmth from the coldness of the desert at night. He was everything they needed. Yet when they heard the negative report of the 10 spies, they didn't trust God. So they failed to possess the promised land. They failed to enter into his rest. Folks, serving God does not exempt us from problems. Right. We will still face difficulties. Yeah. We'll face health problems. We'll have financial needs. We may incur demonic opposition and many other tests of faith. But this we know, as long as God is with us, we have everything that we need. Hallelujah. As long as we hold fast to him in faith and trust and obey his word, we can trust that he will be with us and he will be to us all that we need. Now I want to close with a story. During World War II, a U.S. Marine was separated from his unit on a Pacific island. The fighting had been intense and he got separated from his platoon. Alone in the jungle, he could hear the enemy soldiers moving in his direction. He scrambled for cover, crawling into one of the many caves that were along a, a little hill or, or ridge that was there. But he knew the enemy soldiers were searching for him and that they would soon search the caves where he was hiding and that he would be killed. So he prayed and he said, Lord, please protect me. I love you and I trust you with my life. Amen. After praying, he lay silently listening as the enemy drew closer and closer. And he thought to himself, well, Lord, I guess you aren't going to help me. Then he saw a spider building a web across the opening of the cave. And he watched the spider layer strand after strand across the opening. And he thought to himself, well, Lord, what I needed is a brick wall. And you send me a spider web. 
But as the enemy drew near, he could see them in the darkness searching the caves. And he got ready with his rifle to make his last stand. But to his amazement, when they got to the opening of his cave, they glanced in, saw a spider web covering the cave, and assumed nobody could have entered there. So they just moved on. Hallelujah. Suddenly he realized, Lord, you protected me. Forgive me. Hallelujah. He said, I had forgotten that in you, a spider's web is stronger than a brick wall. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. Folks, we all face times of great trouble, and it can be easy to forget that if God is with us, we have nothing to worry about. Hallelujah. So let us not cast off our confidence in God, but let us do our best to enter his rest by choosing to put our whole weight down on him to trust that he is all that we need. Whatever is happening in your life, With God, a mere spider's web can become a brick wall of protection for you. Believe that he is with you, that he will always be with you. And just speak his name in faith through Jesus and you will see his great power and his love manifest towards you. For those of you who do not yet know Jesus, I want you to know that he loves you and he wants a relationship with you and he wants to be all that we have described today. He wants to be that in your life. But we are all sinners and sin has separated us from God. But because God loved us so much, that's the reason he sent his sinless son, Jesus, to die on the cross, taking our place, enduring the punishment we deserve. So that now when we repent of our sins, and the word repent simply means to turn away from, we recognize we've been heading in the wrong direction, a direction that heads to destruction. And we say, God, I don't want to live that way anymore. I turn away from that and I turn to you in faith. Forgive me and come and live inside of me. And the moment we do that, Jesus says we're born again. We're made spiritually alive. We are restored to relationship with God and we become a child of God. So I'm going to ask you to bow your head right now. And I'm going to ask you this. Are you a child of God? Are you confident that God is with you? Are you confident that your sins are forgiven? If not, I want to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. It may be the first time that you're praying this prayer, or it may be the first time in a long time, because maybe you gave your heart to Christ years ago and you've drifted away, and you can feel God pulling you back. But if you want to come to Jesus, if you want your sins forgiven, If you want to be in a right relationship with God and experience this rest, the spiritual rest that he promises, I want to invite you to pray with me in just a moment. But if you're here today and you would say, pray for me, Pastor, I want to accept Jesus as my Savior, or I want to come back to Jesus. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus. Thank you for that hand. Is there another? Pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus. Thank you. Hallelujah. Is there anyone else? Praise the Lord. Thank you for another hand. Amen. Praise the Lord. Several hands have gone up. I'm going to ask you to pray this simple prayer with me. And you that are already saved, pray it along with me to encourage those that are praying it for the first time. Dear Jesus, I believe 
that you are the Son of God. And I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I turn away from my sinful life and I turn to you. I confess that I'm a sinner. I ask you to forgive me and to cleanse me from all sin. And I invite you to come and live inside of me and help me from this day forward to li live for you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Praise the Lord, amen. You that prayed that prayer, you just made the best decision of your life, amen. And we welcome you. We welcome you to the family of God. That prayer was just a beginning of a wonderful lifelong journey of learning to trust God. And we want to help you in that journey by sending you free of charge a little e-booklet that will help you understand the prayer you just prayed and the next steps to keep growing in your relationship with God. We want to send that to you free of charge. But to do that, we need your name and email address. So if you would just text, I prayed to the number on the screen. And we're going to send you a, a, a response message a little bit later today with a link. Click on that link, fill in your name and email address, and we will send you free of charge this little e-booklet. If you're online, type I prayed, and we will do that likewise for you. But we encourage you to do that right now before you forget. But in the meantime, before we hear from you, we want to encourage you and everyone else that follows Christ to do three things to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord. One, talk to God every single day. That's called prayer. He's our Heavenly Father. He wants to hear from us every single day. Thank him for the good things in your life because every good thing comes from him. And then talk to him about whatever problems, difficulties, or decisions you're making and ask his help. At a very basic level, that's prayer. So talk to God every day. Secondly, let God talk to you every day. And you may say, Pastor, how does God talk to us? The number one way is through the Bible, his word. And so you can download, if you don't have a printed copy of the Bible, you can download the version app, Y-O-U version app, for free on your phone or tablet. There's never a charge to read anything on there. And you you can start reading the Bible in 1 John. Just pray before you read and say, God, help me to understand what I'm reading and how to put it into practice in my life. And just read a few verses every day and pray and ask God's help to put that in practice in your life. Then thirdly, get connected to a local Assembly of God church. If you're here in South Florida, of course, we welcome you and invite you to be a part of our church family. We have a wonderful church family here that will pray for you, encourage you, and support you along your journey. If you're outside of the South Florida area, find an Assembly of God church near to you and put down roots. Don't just attend services, but build relationships, get connected, and you're gonna see how you're gonna grow wonderfully in your relationship with the Lord. But once again, congratulations and welcome to the family of God. I wanna speak to those of us now who have placed our faith in Christ. And I, I just had such a burden when, when I was preparing for this service this morning that there are some people here today, you love God. You love God, you've given your heart to him, but you need his rest. You've been striving, you've been struggling, you have been overwhelmed by life, and you need his rest. And I wanna invite you right now, if you would say, Lord, I need your rest. Would you just make your way to this altar and let us pray with you this morning? That's what this altar's for, that's why we're here, is to agree together in prayer with you that God would minister to you. So don't be embarrassed or ashamed, we all go through times in our life. So would you just slip out and make your way to this altar and say, God, I need your rest, I need your rest, hallelujah. 
And could I ask some of our prayer warriors, some of our prayer ministers, would you come out and pray with these that are here at the altar? And, and you that are here asking for God's rest, whatever it is that's overwhelming you, whatever it is that's stressing you out, would you just surrender it in prayer right now and say, Lord, I just put it completely on you. I put all of this weight on you, Lord God. I put it on you. Just surrender it to him right now. Lift up your voice and talk to the Lord as I pray over us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for all of these that are responding to your invitation today to enter into your rest. I thank you, Lord, that they've come to this altar in faith, saying, God, I need you. I need your rest. And Father, as they stand before you today, surrendering the burdens of their life, surrendering the struggles that they are enduring, Lord God, Father, I pray that you would meet them at this place of prayer, Lord God. Father, I pray that they would sense your everlasting arms underneath them as you bear them up with your strength, Lord God. I pray that you would encourage them in their inner man, that you would uplift their spirit right now, that you would strengthen them in their inner being, Lord God, that they would just feel a supernatural strengthening right now, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Lord God, Father, that as they surrender these stresses and these worries to you, that your peace that passes all understanding would fill their heart and mind. Minister to them this morning, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah to your name. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift to help support our ministry? You can text any amount to 954 516 1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.